chapters fifteen and sixteen of sevastopol by leo tolstoy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapters fifteen and sixteen of part two sevastopol in may eighteen fifty five on the following day the band of the chasseurs was playing again on the boulevard and again officers cadets soldiers and young women were promenading in festive guise about the pavilion and through the low-hanging alleys of fragrant white acacias in bloom kalugin prince galtsin and some colonel or other were walking arm in arm near the pavilion and discussing the engagement of the day before as always happens in such cases the chief governing thread of the conversation was not the engagement itself but the part which those who were narrating the story of the affair took in it their faces and the sound of their voices had a serious almost melancholy expression as though the loss of the preceding day had touched and saddened them deeply but to tell the truth as none of them had lost any one very near to him this expression of sorrow was an official expression which they merely felt it to be their duty to exhibit on the contrary kalugin and the colonel were ready to see an engagement of the same sort every day provided that they might receive a gold sword or the rank of major-general notwithstanding the fact that they were very fine fellows i like it when any warrior who destroys millions to gratify his ambition is called a monster only question any lieutenant petrushkov and sub-lieutenant antonov and so on on their word of honour and every one of them is a petty napoleon a petty monster and ready to bring on a battle on the instant to murder a hundred men merely for the sake of receiving an extra cross or an increase of a third in his pay no excuse me said the colonel it began first on the left flank i was there myself hmm, possibly answered kalugin i was farther on the right i went there twice once i was in search of the general and the second time i went merely to inspect the lodgements it was a hot place yes of course kalugin knows said prince galtsin to the colonel you know that b told me to-day that you were a brave fellow but the losses the losses were terrible said the colonel i lost four hundred men from my regiment it's a wonder that i escaped from there alive at this moment the figure of mikhailov with his head bandaged appeared at the other extremity of the boulevard coming to meet these gentlemen what are you wounded captain said kalugin yes uh, slightly with a stone replied mikhailov has the flag been lowered yet inquired prince galtsin this sentence is in french gazing over the staff-captain's cap and addressing himself to no one in particular non pas encore answered mikhailov who wished to show that he understood and spoke french is the truce still in force said galtsin addressing him courteously in russian and thereby intimating so it seemed to the captain it must be difficult for you to speak french so why is it not better to talk in your own tongue simply and with this the adjutants left him the staff-captain again felt lonely as on the preceding evening and exchanging salutes with various gentlemen some he did not care and others he did not dare to join he seated himself near kazartsky's monument and lighted a cigarette 
baron pesch also had come to the boulevard he had been telling how he had gone over to arrange the truce and had conversed with the french officers and he declared that one had said to him if daylight had held off another half hour these ambushes would have been retaken and then he had replied sir i refrain from saying no in order not to give you the lie and how well he had said it and so on but in reality although he had had a hand in the truce he had not dared to say anything very particular there although he had been very desirous of talking with the french for it is awfully jolly to talk with frenchmen junker baron pesch had marched up and down the line for a long time incessantly inquiring of the frenchmen who were near him to what regiment do you belong they answered him and that was the end of it when he walked too far along the line the french sentry not suspecting that this soldier understood french cursed him he has come to spy out our works that cursed said he and in consequence junker baron pesch taking no further interest in the truce went home and thought out on the way thither those french phrases which he had now repeated captain zoboff was also on the boulevard talking loudly and captain obzikoff in a very dishevelled condition and an artillery captain who courted no one and was happy in the love of the junkers and all the faces which had been there on the day before and all still actuated by the same motives no one was missing except prashkushkin nedardov and some others whom hardly any one remembered or thought of now though their bodies were not yet washed laid out and interred in the earth chapter sixteen white flags had been hung out from our bastion and from the trenches of the french and in the blooming valley between them lay disfigured corpses shoeless in garments of grey or blue which labourers were engaged in carrying off and heaping upon carts the odour of the dead bodies filled the air throngs of people had poured out of sevastopol and from the french camp to gaze upon this spectacle and they pressed one after the other with eager and benevolent curiosity listen to what these people are saying here in a group of russians and french who have come together is a young officer who speaks french badly but well enough to make himself understood examining a cartridge box of the guards and what is this bird here for says he because it is a cartridge box belonging to a regiment of the guards monsieur and bears the imperial eagle and do you belong to the guard pardon monsieur i belong to the sixth regiment of the line and this bought where asked the officer pointing to a cigar-holder of yellow wood in which the frenchman was smoking his cigarette at balaclava monsieur it is very plain of palm-wood pretty says the officer guided in his conversation not so much by his own wishes as by the words which he knows if you will have the kindness to keep it as a souvenir of this meeting you will confer an obligation on me and the polite frenchman blows out the cigarette and hands the holder over to the officer with a little bow the officer gives him his and all the members of the group frenchmen as well as russians appear very much pleased and smile 
then a bold infantryman in a pink shirt with his cloak thrown over his shoulders accompanied by two other soldiers who with their hands behind their backs were standing behind him with merry curious countenances stepped up to a frenchman and requested a light for his pipe the frenchman brightened his fire stirred up his short pipe and shook out a light for the russian tobacco good said the soldier in the pink shirt and the spectators smiled yes good tobacco turkish tobacco says the frenchman and uh, your tobacco russian good russian good says the soldier in the pink shirt whereupon those present shake with laughter the french not good bonjour monsieur says the soldier in the pink shirt letting fly his entire charge of knowledge in the language at once as he laughs and taps the frenchman on the stomach the french join in the laugh they are not handsome these beasts of russians says a zouave amid the crowd of frenchmen what are they laughing about says another black-complexioned one with an italian accent approaching our men Captain good says the audacious soldier staring at the zouave's embroidered coat-skirts and then there is another laugh don't leave your lines back to your places sacre non shouts a french corporal and the soldiers disperse with evident reluctance in the meantime our young cavalry officer is making the tour of the french officers the conversation turns on some count zazanoff with whom i was very well acquainted monsieur says a french officer with one epaulette he is one of those real russian counts of whom we are so fond there is a sazonoff with whom i am acquainted said the cavalry officer but he is not a count so far as i know at least a little dark-complexioned man of uh, about your age oh exactly monsieur that is the man oh how i should like to see that dear count if you see him pray present my compliments to him captain latour says he bowing isn't this a terrible business that we are conducting here it was hot work last night wasn't it says the cavalry officer wishing to continue the conversation and pointing to the dead bodies oh frightful monsieur but what brave fellows your soldiers are what brave fellows it is a pleasure to fight with such valiant fellows it must be admitted that your men do not hang back either says the cavalryman with a bow and the conviction that he is very amiable ah but enough of this let us rather observe this lad of ten clad in an ancient cap his father's probably shoes worn on bare feet and nanking breeches held up by a single suspender who had climbed over the wall at the very beginning of the truce and has been roaming about the ravine staring with dull curiosity at the french and at the bodies which are lying on the earth and plucking the blue wild flowers with which the valley is studded on his way home with a large bouquet he held his nose because of the odour which the wind wafted to him and paused beside a pile of corpses which had been carried off the field and stared long at one terrible headless body which chanced to be the nearest to him after standing there for a long while he stepped up closer and touched with his foot the stiffened arm of the corpse which protruded the arm swayed a little he touched it again and with more vigour the arm swung back and then fell into place again 
and at once the boy uttered a shriek hid his face in the flowers and ran off to the fortifications as fast as he could go yes white flags are hung out from the bastions and the trenches the flowery vale is filled with dead bodies the splendid sun sinks into the blue sea and the blue sea undulates and glitters in the golden rays of the sun thousands of people congregate gaze talk and smile at each other and why do not christian people who profess the one great law of love and self-sacrifice when they behold what they have wrought fall in repentance upon their knees before him who when he gave them life implanted in the soul of each of them together with a fear of death a love of the good and the beautiful and with tears of joy and happiness embrace each other like brothers no but it is a comfort to think that it was not we who began this war that we are only defending our own country our fatherland the white flags have been hauled in and again the weapons of death and suffering are shrieking again innocent blood is shed and groans and curses are audible i have now said all that i wish to say at this time but a heavy thought overmasters me perhaps it should not have been said perhaps what i have said belongs to one of those evil truths which unconsciously concealed in the soul of each man should not be uttered lest they become pernicious as a cask of wine should not be shaken lest it be thereby spoiled where is the expression of evil which should be avoided where is the expression of good which should be imitated in this sketch who is the villain who the hero all are good and all are evil neither kalugin with his brilliant bravery bravoure de gentilhomme and his vanity the instigator of all his deeds nor praskushkin the empty-headed harmless man though he fell in battle for the faith the throne and his native land nor mikhailoff with his shyness nor pesh a child with no firm convictions or principles can be either the heroes or the villains of the tale the hero of my tale whom i love with all the strength of my soul whom i have tried to set forth in all his beauty and who has always been is and always will be most beautiful is the truth End of chapters 15 and 16